Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Brunani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Please don't say your mind. Cause you chat bare fuckery every day. Lose myself in time. Just wanting to punch you in the face. God only knows why it's taking me so long to let my mind show that you really are a cunt. I don't know why I'm scared, cause I've been here before. Every sentence, every word, it truly is a bore. But you'll never know, cause you've never had your clock just cast out. So you're running your mouth. I dare you to try me just one more time. I wait for our work to finish and it's on... (laughs) And it's on site. <laughs> I can't even get through the song. But really, um, that was a legit freestyle. I really didn't know what I was going to sing. But I think I was listening to all the Adele chatter. Like throughout the week. Obviously because her new album's come out titled 30. Because I guess she's 30, 30 years old now. She's a big girl. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I that was the Adele song that came to my head because I haven't listened to the um, new album. I don't think I listened to the last one really that much either. Um, I think, what was the last one I proper know the words to? Maybe 21 because, yeah, the rest of them, I don't I don't really know them like that. Um, but obviously, big up and big up Adele in it, like coming back for her things. Like when it comes to album sales, nobody can touch her. She's literally doing her doing bits and um, Janet Street Porter obviously got upset. Um, just say that you're upset because she's with a black guy. Because once you two remembered, you know, the the thrills of, of um, guzzling, gobbling black dick, like just, just say that. Say that's what's upsetting you. Not the fact that she's been interviewed by Oprah and you're saying, oh, she's trying to be a, what is it, trumped up or whatever, whatever, Meghan Markle. You're just jealous because she's not miserable. Like, she's lightened her hair. She's wearing cute looks and she's living in California. Just say that you're vexed from living on this bad vibes island known as, you know, Britain. But anyway, let me just introduce myself before I start cussing people out. It is me, Kalechi, in a blood clot place to be. And you're listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. And we're in it. We're in it to win it, and we're back for another week of just talking up the things them and um yeah, very, very excited. <laughs> I was there, you know, just using all these um terms and I'm thinking about other people who have been on shows and they've been asked about their their Jamaicanness and I, I'm not even gonna go into it. But 
keep my opinions to myself. But anyway, let's just get into the things. It's been a busy week. So even today, I'm recording now. I had to wait to watch the uh, Qatar Grand Prix. And then I went to do an Instagram live with No White Saviors. Um, they've saved it on their page, so you can watch it back there. And um, I did that at the studio. Then now I'm recording at my mum's because it's nice and quiet. And I've got my mic set up because last week my mic, my Yeti mic, the connection to my MacBook was moving really, really wild. I didn't want to take any chances, so I'm recording here, and then I'll take my bits home with me, and, um, yeah, but it's been a really busy week, I got to go to the King Richard premiere, the UK premiere, and it felt really cute to be invited, like, I like going to screenings whenever I can, whenever I'm available, but it's usually, like, screenings, isn't it, not, like, premieres, so it was nice to, like, get dressed up and um, see Will Smith doing his thing. I feel like I've had a Will Smith overload week because I, I saw him at the UK premiere. I took my baby boy Tien to go with me. Um, and then I took Tien as well to um, the book launch. The you know, So they were doing like this virtual, like this screening, this live broadcast, uh, broadcast screening of um, the book launch for Will Smith, his autobiography called Will, um, aptly named. Um, so yeah, it just felt like a week, like a week of Will Smith, somebody that like I don't really really check for like that, but it was it was great to be there. Um and King Richard in my opinion is really really good. Um the actresses in it are brilliant. Like the black girls in it are fucking brilliant. Um Will Smith does really well. Do I think it's Oscar worthy? Not to me personally. I feel like there's more acting that he could do. Um but you know, it was good. It was good. Um on his part, it was really, really good. But I, to me, the standout performances were from the actresses that played um, Serena and Venus Williams, especially the girl that plays Venus Williams. She, um, I should have really checked her name before this, but she is actually left-handed, but she had to learn all the things I think that Serena does. I'm sorry, that Venus does um, with her right hand. And she gave a brilliant, brilliant performance. It was just great all round. I really liked it. I liked the fact, and I'll get into it later, but I liked the fact that it presented a flawed father because that's what he was. And he is, he's a flawed father. Um, And so Will, Will Smith playing a flawed father when he himself at times has been a flawed father. I mean, who hasn't been a flawed parent? But, you know, like, if you have children, that is. But, you know, like, he's... He's playing that role, also knowing from his autobiography the experiences that he's had with his own father. So it was just, yeah, there's so many layers to it that I thought was really interesting. But it was very nice, very cute to actually go to the UK premiere and see the other people that were there as well. Um, Yeah, it was really nice. But um, what I will say about the book launch is that... I don't know why I have to go into this so quickly. But what I will say about the book launch is that... Idris Elba was the one that was hosting it or that was in conversation with Will Smith. And I guess that they chose Idris Elba because they're like, who is an internationally known black British um, man? And of course, I guess he's up there with the people that they would choose. But not sometimes you don't have to go for big names. Sometimes go for people who have engaged with the text. So the show started. And so I was watching at... um, was it Riverside Studios in Hammersmith and it was being broadcast there but it was actually happening at the Savoy Theatre in central London but the tickets for that sold out like within two minutes or something that they said but I didn't recognize I did recognize some people who were in the audience so I'm glad that they got to go um so yeah like um Idris Elba comes out 
well, Will Smith comes out first and then Idris Elba comes out and then Idris Elba is like, oh, um, to, to be honest, I've only read six chapters. How is it that you're doing something where you're in conversation with this person and it is their book launch? It is the launching of their book and you're like, I've only read six chapters. Like, I know that we're all busy people, but if this is the job that you've been booked for, that you are being paid for to do it, saying that you've read only six chapters is a bit mad. And then he was like, oh, I've, I say read, but I've been listening to it on audiobook. So you've only listened to six chapters. Now, I don't actually believe that. I mean, six chapters, that means that you literally just started listening to it today. Like you're like, oh yeah, this is in my calendar. I'm going to do that. And the reason that frustrates me is because I can promise you behind the scenes, people are like, oh, do you want to interview this person for the podcast? Um, from King Richard, like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I'm like, right, right now, I guess like, it's mad to be in a position where I'm having to turn down interviews because I'm so busy. Like it, it literally, the logistics of it wasn't going to fit for me, but rarely are you man offering me Will Smith. Like you're offering me the other actors who I'd love to speak to, but I'm quite busy at the moment. But I'm pointing out the fact that they wouldn't offer me someone like Will Smith. Meanwhile, you lot have seen the interviews that I've done on this podcast. Like I go in, like I do my research and I sure as fuck would have read more than six chapters if I'm going to be in conversation with the person about their book. Right. But I guess because it's the publishers that were organizing it and it's an American publisher and whatever, um, like whatever else. <clears throat> So they're going to have their perception of who they, they need to reach out to. But did you want a conversation or did you just want um, a human prompt? Because he had these um, prompt cards, but then he was saying things. But you can't be saying that because you haven't read the book. So this seems like they were pre um, that these questions were prepared. And of course they were, because it was like a whole production where randomly a pianist came on stage and you know, he was playing, uh, you know, just the two of us as Will was reading a section out of the book. And um, there was a point where he was now rapping and then Jazzy Jeff came out. And then as he was talking about certain things, certain images came up behind him. So it's clear that all of this has been choreographed. Cool. But your part in it, you're flopping your part in it because I know that you've only read six, or you're allegedly you've only read six chapters. But meanwhile, you can only quote from the first line of chapter one. And I feel like there was a point where Will was kind of throwing shade because he said something about, oh, you say in the book that, you know, that you're a coward and then you're, you, you know, this image that you've constructed of yourself throughout the years were, you know, carefully created to keep everybody else out when you, the whole time that you were fearful and you were a coward. And Will was like, yeah, yeah, that's in the... Um, um, you know that's actually the first line of chapter one and I was thinking fam I don't actually even think you read six chapters I don't even think that you read the book and that just pisses me off because that there are people out here like myself who do the work but we don't get those types of opportunities okay fine because what I haven't been in the way I haven't done this I haven't done that but if you're going to promote a book promote the book with somebody that's read the book even if it's going to be this carefully choreographed thing where really all they're doing is prompting you fam you're an actor act like you're part of the thing not that you're just there for no reason like there was just no pizzazz there was no vim so I'm sorry I did not like it I didn't enjoy that to be honest I was the whole time I was just like what is this and also I didn't think like he was present and I don't think he was engaging because that there was a story that Will was telling about his dad and how he made um Will and his brother build this wall um outside the shop or whatever and he was trying to teach them some kind of life lesson and will said oh i was 11 and my brother was nine i was 11 and my brother was nine he said it so many times and so then when he finished that like segment of the story um i feel like i can hear sirens i'm picking up sirens um so when he finished that section of the story um idris was like oh so you were nine when that happened 
no, he was 11. Like, he repeated it enough times. He was 11. So, yeah, he didn't even seem, like, present in the moment. Maybe... I don't even think it was nerves because you've done enough of these things. But, I don't know, people might still get nervous at certain things. And it's not like I'm trying to draw anybody out. I just think, like, I wouldn't be me if I didn't just, like... I don't want to be here and just say, oh, and this was wonderful, and this was wonderful, and this was wonderful. Because, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And we have to be honest about it. It wasn't. And that's not going to stop you. For me, saying that on this fucking podcast isn't going to stop you from getting jobs. Like, people are going to book you regardless, but... I didn't enjoy it um, in that regard. I thought, like, the whole production, like, it's a good thing that Will's a very, very charismatic person because it was basically his show, you know, like, this book launch, and he'd everything had been carefully prepared, so everything flowed from one to the other, so he was only being asked questions, really, to cue the next stage of the thing. But I just want real things. I want authentic things. I want to feel something, you know? I want to feel something! Um, so I went to that, and I also went to the premiere of Reggie Yates' his um film his debut is it his directorial debut no because he's made a short film yeah he's his directorial uh, debut for a feature film he's made short films prior and it's called pirates and it's about you know three guys um on new year's eve um 1999 new year's eve about to enter into the millennium the year 2000 and apparently they're looking for like the ultimate party to go to and um they have like a pirate radio station and you know they're about to you know they're just about to blow and whatever else and um yeah i mean it was like a good setup in terms of storyline but um again i don't think it was i don't think it was executed very well like you lot might go and watch it and be like oh my god that was the best film ever like try to kind of pull in the nostalgia with like the flip phones and with like certain tunes that were played but I, for me it didn't really land i thought that the actors were really good i thought that they were really good the the three guys um who were in it i thought that they were really good it was nice to see like like the faces that i saw when i was listening to music growing up like mega man and like all of these like people like Bushkin was there as well like it was cool in terms of like the nostalgia that they tried to evoke but I I don't think it quite hit the mark maybe because mm, so many white people were involved I don't know I just get the vibe that the story started as something and then it got whittled down to something else because it's called pirates but we don't even see them really doing much um in terms of a pirate radio station so it's just like so why was it called that like in the first place like they allude to the pirate radio and that is the basis of like the storyline because all three of them have this pirate radio station and then something's going to change and shift and whatever whatever i don't want to um give you spoilers or whatever but um yeah i just think it's fine to say that some things i'm um, you're happy for people and the um you know the strides that they're making within the industry but i don't think it was for me i think that's the best way to describe it other people might think that it was really good but i personally do not think like it was for me and the primary reason for that is because the love interests in this including the um, previous ex-girlfriend so basically the women who are placed as desirable within this storyline of this film both of them are either i think they're both biracial but they're both definitely definitely light-skinned like very light-skinned right and um i just that didn't sit right with me the dark skinned guy he's um you know wants to get with this girl um and so they're going to meet her at the party and then meanwhile he's got to navigate his ex that he um he's trying to avoid and she's also light skinned and then the only dark skinned women and woman that we have in it big up yourself shiloh coke um 
she's the woman at the Jamaican, like the, the Caribbean shop, you know, selling the food, you know, get very much given. We not have that energy. And it's just like almost giving mammy, you know, and, and I, I'm so tired of that. I'm so fucking tired of dark skinned women always being placed in positions of non desire, um, desirability. Like if he was going to have another ex, why couldn't that ex be dark skinned as well? Like, so it balances it out, but no, it was very particular about who was placed, um, in the remit of what is desirable. And one might say, oh, but that's what it was like back, back then. Everyone was chasing a mixed race girl. Yeah, I want a lighty, I want a lighty. Okay, but you could have also added commentary at, in one way or another through the present lens as, as to why that was um, problematic. But that's not what you wanted to do because actually you like the structure that the way that it is. So I'm just tired. I'm tired of seeing um, light-skinned girls, of seeing like light-skinned biracial girls constantly be the love, love interest if it's not going to be a white girl. It's fucking boring. You know, it's really fucking boring. And so you know, that's why ultimately I didn't, I can't say that I enjoyed it because I, I was very bored <clears throat> of that narrative. Um, but it was nice to see the costumes. The costume design was really cute. Um, and um, yeah, I guess the overall vibe, I'm sure other people will enjoy it. But like I said, it wasn't for me. Um, so that's my review. So <laughs> if you invite me to premieres, like be aware that I'm going to give my honest opinion when I get on the mic. When I get on the mic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, let's get on with um, let's get on with the tarot then for this week. The question that I put to Spirit for the tarot was, um, "What next? What next?" I just said that was what came to me, or that's what Spirit put to me to like pull. What next? And so the card that I got from the Wisdom of the Oracle deck is there and now. And we see an egg and this um, little fairy girl sitting on the egg. And there's a door, like a doorway opening um, at the bottom of the egg. And then we see a signpost that says past and another one that says future. And the egg is right in the middle. And it says, and she's holding a red flag that says you are here. And I just think that that's really cute. And the egg is suspended in the sky. Um, so we'll get to that shortly. And then I, uh, the card that came up from the Afro goddess uh, tarot deck is the five of cups the son of cups in reverse um and the six no then the devil card in reverse and then the six of wands at the bottom of the deck we've got the moon card in reverse so definitely what i get from this is a sense of disappointment something hasn't quite gone the way that some of you have hoped um the vibe that i get here the you know i'm seeing black and um it makes me think like funeral vibes um, while I'm saying that, actually, um, R.I.P. Jacinta, I, men I mentioned her when I was talking about um, Jeffrey Boadi. Um, he's the vegan, um, like, uh, content creator um, or plant-based content creator. And I talked about um, his recipe book and I said how amazing it was to kind of see him and his um, wife, uh, Jacinta, together, like, exploring the um, the world and just being, like, a really great example of, like, black love. I just thought it was, like, super cute and they looked beautiful together. And he came online, uh, he mentioned, uh, he um, posted online last week that, unfortunately, Jacinta's passed away. Um, she had um, an infection and it went unnoticed by the... Um, professionals the medical professionals uh, shock horror and um it turned into it, sepsis and you know then she died from sepsis and 
it's just heartbreaking. It's so, so heartbreaking. And uh, I know that they set up a fund um, to, I think they might have closed it by now, but they set up a fund to raise um, money so um, Jacinta's body could be taken to um, Uganda because I imagine she wants to be buried there. And, um, yeah, it's just extremely sad. So sending out all of the love to Jeffrey just made me think of him now when I'm seeing this card. Sending out all the love to Jeffrey um sending out um yeah just all the love and support to Jacinta's family and Jacinta I hope that on, in the other realm that you're in now that you're you know just uh seeing the fruits of the positivity and the kindness and the love that you showed so many people while you were in the physical realm sending you all the love so um yeah back to the tarot deck that's what comes to my mind when I see this this kind of disappointment that things haven't turned out the way that one would have hoped and i'm seeing the son of cups um the which is also the page of cups i'm seeing that in reverse as well um which makes me think about i think it's the page of cups yeah it well this is making me just think about like some people it might be a, a loss a pregnant pregnancy loss or something but it's definitely the idea that there was something that was meant to happen um, that you were that was just in its um, infancy or was just in the beginning stages and it didn't quite go the way that one would have hoped and then the reason we've got the devil card here is because it's saying like do not to not let yourself go to spiral into that place to spiral into that deep space of disappointment that is so hard to pull yourself out of because you go there and it's a long way back up baby it's a long way back up and this is um We've got the six of swords, uh, sorry, six of wands here. Um, and we see a figure that's in the clouds and they're holding us um, and they're holding a wand. And it's like, regardless of what's happened, remember that every day you're celebrated by your angels every day. Like you are like, I know that it feels a bit mm, to say because you're just like, well, you know, I'm disappointed and fuck shit has happened. How do I move beyond this? And the thing is that you can every moment that you have that you can draw breath in and expel breath out like that is you still have a chance um for joy for peace for love um there is still that chance and you can't give up on you and the more that you hold on trust and believe that a path will be made clear for you in one way or another it might not seem like there's a way forward now because there's so much disappointment in and around the world but you have to hold out for that joy. It feels like that's a recurring message and know that you are celebrated and you are protected and you should go where you are celebrated. And, um, you know, in one way or another, things will work out like the sun will come out. It might feel very dark and cloudy right now and you don't see how any of this can get any better, but it will like the sun will come out for you because you deserve it um and the fact that we've got that card there um in terms of the um, six of wands and where the sun is so prominent in the background and we've got the moon card in reverse it's just reminding you of that that there will be a way out of the darkness eventually and even in that darkness you still have the moon to guide you and i know that we're in eclipse season now and we're headed towards um a total eclipse isn't it um that's coming up i can't ever say total eclipse without going total eclipse i'm thinking of jaffa cakes now i want a jaffa cake anyway um so yeah so that was that part of the message and then the there and now it says here um the oracle's message everything happens in the now in the present only this moment counts you have what it takes to handle anything today if you let go of the need to look into the future or reflect on the past 
Be present and notice what is going on right now. This very moment has the potential for you to create miracles in your life. A relationship message says it's easy to yearn for a love affair or friendship you may not have right now. One that is more romantic, more fun, more reliable, more passionate. The good old days are gone and a new day has dawned. Let your heart trust that you have everything you need right now, whether you have the relationship you desire or not. Tomorrow is beyond your reach. Yesterday cannot return. The now is all that is available to you. Stay present and aware that in this moment, as you cherish and approve of your beautiful self, you are a magnet for love. Spirit is madly in love with you right now. Did you know that? Turn to spirit to feel the joy of love in the here and now. The prosperity message says, what are you, what you are working on is golden and your efforts will leave a powerful legacy. Focus not on meeting a goal in the far off future, but on creating your dream now, releasing your desire for an outcome and owning that it already exists. It will appear in the material world as if by magic. Claim your prosperity now. The essence is more important than the form. When you are immersed in prosperous thoughts, you automatically tune into a sense of timelessness and unlimited potential. You can act as if in spite of the temporary outer conditions. You are prosperous at this moment. What you think now becomes your reality. Stay present. The protection message says, whenever you find your mind drifting into the past, wondering if things could have or should have been better, or whenever you find yourself longing for the good old days, you leak power. The same is true of looking too far ahead and hoping the future will provide you with certainty. Driven by ambition, you might wander too long in a space with no substance and forget that you are here today. The past and the future are illusions. Whenever you leave the present moment, you're disconnecting from your inherent power to manifest your reality with true substance. Neither past nor future can give you what you need. Now is all that counts. Come back from those eternities and be here now. All will be well and the miracles will appear as if by magic in the perfect timing of spirit. Drag me then. Um, I'm always saying that I'm one person to not so much dwell in the past anymore, but always yearning for the future, always yearning for that bit where I get to be like, oh, it was all worth it, rather than focusing on the fact that in this moment it is worth it. So actually when I was heading here to come and record and I was closing up the studio um, after doing the live with um, No White Saviors, there was a moment where I just looked at the studio because, you know, I'm so go, 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 go. I didn't, you know, there was just that moment where I looked it up and I, I just looked at the studio. I was standing in it and I just looked around like, rah, I did this. I did this. And I think sometimes it, it's hard to recognise because so many people um, outside externally try to, maybe through no fault of their own or just because they're fucking idiots, try to downplay what I've achieved. But I, I, in that split second, I thought, nah, fam, you run a whole ass studio. Are you all right? Are you all right? You know, um, and because I do a lot of the things remotely, um, now that I've got like studio managers and that, and I don't teach the classes, although I'm coming back um, to, to teach um, one like workshops and that, um, because I do everything remotely, I don't think about the magnitude of what I've achieved since 2016. Like a baby girl has been out here, you know? Um, and why is that? Because I'm still like, but I'm not there yet, but I'm not there yet. And what is the there? Because I'm here, you know, and I'm here and that is what matters. And it's reminding myself that at any fucking moment, at any motherfucking time, anybody can be gone like that, you know? Um, and it's, 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 
recognizing that and honoring that like yes you know one of my biggest things has been like you know realigning and retuning myself to the way that my body physically is now after childbirth and and being like yeah oh but when I was um before about before I had my child before my first pregnancy even that um, ended up in a, a pregnancy loss before that my body was this and I could do this and I could do that okay but babes that's not now so what are we doing about now you know what are we honoring in ourselves now and it's so easy to be like oh everybody love your body love your body when your body is banging the way that you want it to bang right but what about love your body when it has gone through this like monumental task of creating life like what about that and you don't have to wait for other people to be out there showing themselves, showing their bodies that and, and feel like you're represented for you to honour you. Like, that's that's wild. Um, and I got that message through Ahime Aura when I, was, when I was looking at a random reading for her. And then the message hit me again when I was um, looking at Tatiana Tarot's um, November Tarot Scopes, I think it was. Everywhere the same message was finding me, like, you have to come back to the now, baby girl. You have to come back to the now and honour your body where it is now. Um, And I'm just able to do so many things. Like, I'm so, like, active. I love, like, being active. I love doing things or whatever. But I know that there is that part that's just, like, you know, like, there's just a little sigh when it's just like, oh, mm, and this is my body now kind of thing. And my body still bangs. Do you get me? But it's not the way that it was before. And it's owning that and being authentic with that and saying, but what next? Are you going to stay there or are you going to come here? Are you going to be here? Are you going to be present? So even in a physical um, aspect, those are my feelings. And those are the things that I work through to and make sure that I ground myself in the present. Um, and at the same time, when I think about my career, my career is the same. I'm just like, oh, but when I get that interview, when I do this or when when I get that, that's when I'll know that. No, but right now I'm a baby girl. Right now I'm the ultimate baby girl. Um, and it's honoring that you don't have to wait for other people to publicly acknowledge you or acknowledge you full stop for you to know that right now you are a banger. Like you, God has made some serious sick tracks, some amazing tracks, and you are one of those bangers, you know, like you have to celebrate yourself, um, and come back to the now. And yeah, there'll be disappointments that make you want to, um, you know, disassociate from self and just like detach from everything that's happening. And I know that there's like a positive type of detachment and um, extricating yourself from the need for certain outcomes. But then there is the kind of thing where you just kind of like leave your body because it's just too traumatic to be present. And um, it's, you know, it's going towards the detachment where you do not um, kind of pin your happiness to certain outcomes and just understand that in this present moment, that what you have is what you can have and you're making the most of it even while you're striving to go towards the, um, you know, the next now and the next things that you want to kind of have in those next nows. Um, so, yeah, I hope that resonates. Um, and um, now I'll big up the first of this week's show sponsors who are Ana Luisa. And, and yeah, and then we'll move on to Share Your Magnificence. Big up Ana Luisa for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. You already know that I freaking love 
their jewelry i find that um the pieces that i have i'm wearing them all of the time so if you see me with my cute little earrings or my necklaces like my little like dainty um cute necklaces they're probably from Ana Luisa. I just love it. I just love it. I love like good quality things. I love that they're made um, in a manner that makes sense. Um, their pieces start from like $39 and they're currently running one of the biggest sales of the year. So you can get 60% off the um, on the second item if you go to um, shop.analuisa.com forward slash straws. That's shop.analuisa.com isa.com forward slash straws and um yeah you can get 60 percent off the second item that you get um when you go and look at their bits and i just yeah i just think that it's great when you have like affordable jewelry that looks really really cute and i know that they release like new jewelry uh collections every friday so you're always going to find something because you know like sometimes you go on sites and you're like I, I saw this last fucking week like what else do you have so yeah they're current uh, constantly every friday they release new pieces so there's always something to check out to find something that suits your vibe and i'm very much into the whole like moon and stars i love my jewelry to have a bit of a moon have a bit of a star have some kind of astrological higgy haggle going on that is my mood so i like that they've got so many cute pieces that um fit into that um so like i said check out shop.analuisa.com forward slash straws um, and i will add the link to the show notes as well so you can get it from there um let's move on to share your magnificence so this week for share your magnificence um my share your magnificence goes out to Brittany bright um, I saw, I came across her page. She's an influencer and she's um, had a child. Um, I came across her page because her video went viral when um, she posted, I think it was like a TikTok video that uh, made its way onto Twitter where she says bet- between the hours of 8, a- no, 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. She has a nighttime doula who arrives at 8 p.m., takes over the duties from her to look after her son, I think it is, look after her baby and she goes and has her mummy time and then at 6 a.m she feels rejuvenated and she takes over from the nighttime doula and goes about her business i can't believe how much backlash she has received for this video some people are trying to dress it up like yeah but nighttime doulas don't get paid enough so she's exploiting these people and shut the fuck up of course there's a conversation to be had about how people are paid who help um parents and families um you know to thrive definitely that conversation needs to be had but that's not the reason that you lot are bex the reason that you lot are bex is because you're so used to mothers being synonymous with suffering every day you want women to suffer and we know that not every woman wants to be a mother and not everybody that um, gives birth considers themselves to be woman cool but what we're talking about here specifically is misogyny and um the fact that you just like when you think about women or the um, hashtag good woman or the archetype of a good woman it's always ah she endures and i put her through so much and she's still here i put her through so much and she's still here what do you mean is she a rubber band is she an elastic band that or you've put her through so much and she's still there is she tarmac what do you mean is she a timberland boot why do you have to put her through so much put her you work her through all terrains and weather conditions and then be like oh yeah she's a good woman she never gave up on me she she was my rock she stood by my side no no i'm not a greek pillar you know i'm not i'm not a greek pillar in athens it's all right um 
but it's just wild that that same thing then carries over to motherhood and it's just like you should never want for anything outside of your family like so many mums like you see on their bios it's like mum and then all the other things and that's fine like that's how you identify that's you that's that's how you want to identify in it and i know that some male feminists now are like husband father and you know they're switching up how they put their do put their bios together but my identity goes beyond being a mother you know and people don't like to think about mothers getting help because i mean she clearly has to be in a bit of a privileged position to be able to afford to have um a nighttime doula or have somebody come through to support her but we should want that for mothers we should want for mothers to be supported and not vilify them or shame them for getting help and that's why so many people so many mothers don't speak about their postpartum depression they don't speak about how hard they're finding it they don't say anything because they've been told that they should be having a great fucking time that they should be enjoying like a child gnawing at their nipples like they should be enjoying a child like shitting on their eyeballs like they should love all of that and so when they don't they don't know how to say that they're not and so therefore you got parents that are not you got mothers who aren't parenting their children they're parenting their trauma they don't know what the words are to say that i'm not enjoying this i need help or i am enjoying this but i'm so tired i would just like some time to myself and i said like i feel like i'm somebody that is really mentally rigorous like i've got a lot of mental fortitude i feel like i'm really strong mentally however during those first few months i'd say even the first year heck 17 months of having led it was a real slog, you know, it was really, really tough, like, it really impacted me mentally, yeah, I'm still showing up, as I said before, showing up to record the podcast, showing up to do the next thing, showing up to do the next thing, and what helped me is because I was making sure I had my therapy sessions during that time, so I could talk through my irrational thoughts, I could talk through my intrusive thoughts, I could talk through the thoughts that weren't irrational, that I'm very valid, and I'm very um, in within my rights to feel like I could talk through so much I had somewhere to go and offload so I could you know keep you know making my way through and and you know finding my way through everything and that's also part of the reading region that's also part of the reason that I don't share a lot of my parenting stuff online I don't share the day-to-day things really that I do with Lev or whatever I definitely don't post him online in terms of like his face and other bits because I think that instantly what mothers go to do is compare their mothering to the way that you mother because you know they're just trying to make sure that they're doing it okay but the only way that they feel like they can do that is if you're doing the same thing but if you're doing something differently it then makes them feel like oh am I not doing the right thing or um are you not doing the right thing and so there's this over policing of the way that mothering is done and it just feels like a cult it doesn't it doesn't excite me this is why I said like from the get I wasn't going to be a mum fluencer I wasn't going to be doing the mum influencing thing because it's a madness and there's a sense of um self-righteousness that goes with it as well even the ones that are like oh I'm having such a hard time but look at me being a shit mum and being a shit mum is great too like there's a lot of it's all performative I mean most of social media is right but I just didn't want any part of that and 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 this person is an influencer and she was just like look at what I'm doing and instead of people to be like, rah, we actually should have more of this. 
But in this Western um, way that we exist, like you should never want help because we're a hyper individualistic um, society and we're all chasing all these material things. And it's like, no, you do everything on your own because you make or break you. You get all of your successes for yourself if you can struggle by yourself. When actually in within the cultures that like culture that I've grown up in that I know, like mothers are meant to be there, like within um um yoruba culture i know definitely like we have something where like one man well more like they'll they'll bathe the child and they'll bathe the mother after she's given birth and they'll like bind her as well like they'll massage her and press her tummy down with warm water and they'll stretch the baby out and all sorts now you might be like oh well they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that but the essence of it is that they come together the women in that family come together to provide healing to provide nourishment for the mother whether they that they're giving you food to eat um while they watch the child for you let you sleep all of that stuff you're treated as so fragile when you know within those first weeks when you have the child and i think that that is a good thing to be doing as opposed to being like well why aren't you back at work and if you don't come back to work you're not going to get paid this and you're not going to get paid that like you want people to have children but then you also vilify them for wanting support when they have those children like the abortion laws that you've put in place no you want everyone to have these children they have the children and then child care is a madness what the fuck do you mean like what is all of this what is all of this? That like even during the pandemic, come and help us feed the children. Well, nobody told you to have them. You chose to have those children. Really? Really? So I, you know, big up yourself, Brittany. Two slaps on your chest. Love your name, Bright, if that is your real surname. Like, you know, shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. When will Rihanna give people more songs? Well, it looks like she doesn't want to. Anyway. Brittany, shine bright like a fucking diamond, you know? Like, do you get the support that you need because, you know what, happy mothers um, or happy women or happy... What am I saying? Happy mothers have happy children. You there being um, downtrodden, miserable, resentful, that energy is going to transfer over to your child because you're not going to be able to parent at your optimal capacity because you don't even have enough love in you for you. How are you going to have enough love in you for the child? You're, you're stressed out. You know how it feels to be stressed out, stressed out. I know how it feels to be stressed out, stressed out. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I guess like, maybe I'll just operate on a different frequency. But if I see somebody who would have been struggling the way that I feel like I've struggled or I'm struggling, right? And I see that they've had, um, they've managed to get themselves support to help them through that struggle. I celebrate that because I'm like, oh, it's possible to not be in that situation. There are things that can be done so you're not in that situation. Whereas other people, they see it and they instantly hate on it. And they start moving mad with what they're typing to people. And the worst part was the men that decided to jump into the this girl's DM, you know, comments talking about, oh, well, this is really sad because the baby should have you at night, um, you know, for, for breastfeeding. But she clearly shows where she's putting the breast milk or preparing the milk or whatever and putting it in the bottles ready for the, the nighttime doula to have, like... Just shut your mouth and go and wash your bum, you stupid dickheads. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say for Shame and Magnificence. Two slaps on your chest, Brittany. Do what you need to do so you can thrive um, as a mother. Um, blessings to you and your family. Anyway, let's get to So You Mad. My first um, my first uh, bit that I saw for So You Mad was the fact that the... Or was the story that the Guardian newspaper are trying to get access to the... Um, it says here the high court banned the media from a secret hearing where it was decided that prince philip's will would go hidden or would be hidden from the public for 90 years 
In the interests of open justice, The Guardian is challenging the decision to exclude the media. And you know what? I fucking love it. Like, I love it. Um, Like, stop trying to hide things. We know that he had a baby probably with somebody else. And we know that probably a hell of a money, um, a hell of a lot of money was left um, to that child. And I know that they're saying, oh, it's standard practice to keep the details of the royal will private. But um, no, but we all want to see. We all want to see who did he leave bits to? How are you not allowed to just enjoy and do all of these things while um, you'll be chopping public money, but then you don't, but you don't also want us to know what you're doing. No, no. Let us all see. Open your yash. Let us see what's in there. Don't be hiding it because the fact that you went as far as to say like the media isn't, wasn't allowed to be at the hearing that decided that you were going to lock off the thing and lock up the thing that, um, and it wouldn't be shared for 90 years. Um, all seems very suspicious. Share it. Is that why suddenly the queen is like, oh, oh, I need to rest. Oh, all the men in her life are just stressing her out. Do you know how it feels to be stressed out, stressed out? Elizabeth. Of course, Elizabeth knows what it feels like to be stressed out, stressed out. But that's what happens when you don't want to give people back their things. Um, but yeah, I think that that should definitely go ahead. I would like to see what comes of that because um, stop hiding things. We want to see, we want to know Wagwan. Um, and then my next So You Mad is about the waywardness of white women and how sometimes they just have lack the ability to face their front. So this person tweeted, her name is what, Dr. Jessica Taylor um on twitter uh she tweeted did they seriously make a film called king richard about the success of serena and venus williams but it's about their dad richard first of all bitch what it was in the title it was in the title who the story was going to be focused on so it was focused on their dad hence the title of the film being king richard right um, she then goes on because obviously people were dragging her to blood clot. Um, she got ratioed like a motherfucker. Um, she then came back to try to save herself. Save yourself. Save yourself. If you don't watch um, Little Miss Jocelyn, you wouldn't know what that's from. Anyway, she says, I get this has annoyed people, but I genuinely didn't expect a film about two of the most powerful, successful and amazing black athletes um, what is this? I get this has annoyed people, but I genuinely didn't expect a film about two of the most powerful, successful and amazing black female athletes to be named after a man or center a man. I would have loved this film to be all about them and not a man. That's it, really. But nobody asked you to come and do girl boss over here. They didn't ask you. You know why? Because this is what I'm tired about when it comes to white women. Stop speaking over black women. So if you've just done a little piece of research, the little piece of research that you decided to do when you wanted to do that bang, when you wanted to do that fringe upon your head top, you decided that that is what you wanted for your facial features. You But you researched it, you decided that this is what I'm gonna do. And you stuck by that, you committed to the look, fine. That is what you wanted to do for you. If you'd done a little piece of research, you would know that they wanted this film made in the, in, in this way. They wanted their dad honoured in this way. Like, now, however I might feel about their dad and how he went about parenting them and how he went about, you know, getting, to, getting them to that level of success, that's, that's, that's irrelevant. That's immaterial to the thing. Nobody's asking me. Same way nobody was fucking asking you. But... The film isn't about Venus and Serena. The film is about their father. 
Venus and Serena's film hasn't been made yet because their le- their legacy is still being written. Oh, you know what I'm going to do now? Live your arms with eyes wide open. Today is where your book begins. Who? The rest is still unwritten. Their story is still unwritten, baby. It's still unwritten. That's why the film is not about them. It is about their father because that's what they wanted to do. Like they appreciate the effort that he put into them and the plan that he'd made two years before they were born to be like, this is what my daughters are going to achieve and whatever, whatever. And the fact of the matter is that the film doesn't paint him out to be this great guy. This is what I was um, talking about earlier at the beginning of the podcast. The film doesn't paint Richard Williams out to be this sick guy. He's very flawed. He's very flawed, very arrogant and quite misogynistic in some regards, but he had a vision for his daughters and he executed that vision. Like, because look at where they're, look at where they are. And they wanted um, homage to be paid to the fact that he dedicated himself to that dream and made it their dream. And this is why they are both um, the greatest female tennis players of all time. In fact, I'm saying greatest female, greatest uh, tennis players of all time, right? They, They just are. And he made that happen for them. Obviously, with their talent, of course, as well, their determination, their commitment. But he saw that vision for them before they were even born. And so when we talk about metaphysics, the King Richard matters. Their dad, Richard Williams, matters because the the inspiration, the celestial seed was planted in him. And he had to manifest that through his daughters. Like, he was given the assignment before they even arrived. And however... Oh, I'm going to go off on one. Whoo! Let the spirit move me. Let the spirit move me. Let the spirit move me in my body. In my body. Shaking my clip. Shaking my clip. Shaking my clip. Anyway, um, back to what I was saying. We all have assignments in this life, fam. And we don't have to be perfect to execute those assignments. Richard Williams is not a perfect guy. Far from it. But he had an assignment in that he needed to make sure that these two girls became the greatest of all time. He achieved that assignment. He did. And I feel like they were well within their rights to honour him in the way that they did by this film being made, while also drawing um, um, attention to the fact that, like I said, he wasn't a, he wasn't a perfect guy. He moved a bit, he moved very mad many times, many, many times. But you see in certain interviews when white interviewers were talking to Venus and Serena, anyhow, he jumped up in there. He was like, Naji, Naji G, you're not going to speak to my daughters like that. They're confident. Yes. And they have every right to be confident. Right. You ask them the question the first time. Why are you so confident? They told you because I'm the baddest B. And now you're asking them again. Why? Why are you doubting it? Move on. Move the fuck on. Next question. Um, so I think that that is what we need to understand sometimes. We don't have to be perfect to fulfill our assignment. And in fact, if we, become, if we become preoccupied, if we become distracted with the idea of being perfect in order to be able to do the things that we feel called, um, pulled to do, then we'll probably spend a lot of time not achieving the things that we came here to achieve, right? Because we're busy being bogged down with those things. And I'm always saying that more than one thing can be true at once. You could have helped with um, the um, manifestation of the greatest athletes of all time. 
some of the, you know, two of the greatest athletes of all time, you could definitely have done that and also been a deadbeat dad to some of your other children. Because, you know, they do talk about it in the um, in the film, like, your son comes around here looking for you. Like, you went and started a whole other family when you didn't feel like your first family was living up to your standards. Like, there's definitely a conversation to be had about that. And nobody in the film is at any point saying, oh, he's the greatest dad, da 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 they're just like no but he did help he was instrumental in these girls getting to where they needed to get to even when he was being met with opposition even when um you know some of the roadman tried to take him out he still stayed dedicated to that and uh, you know i this is what i mean like when white women just start firing off tweets fam shut up shut up stop stop Especially don't start trying to speak for black women because you're very much making it like, oh my God, no, I just wanted the film to be about Venus and Serena and da 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 But it's about their dad and they wanted it to be about their dad. And if you paid even an iota of attention to Venus and Serena, you would have seen that they were very um, involved in this process. And they even made it very clear when they were, and people were looking for a go-ahead for the film, they were very particular about what they wanted and how they wanted their dad presented um, in this film. So again you're speaking over black women without actually checking what black women want you just wanted to get those tweets off focus on that bang okay focus on that um so that's one of the stories for um so you mad um and then the yeah i think that's it i yeah look at that nice and concise look at you collector being concise and doing the things that you need to do anyway let's move off um move on and big up the second of this week's show sponsors who are linked in Big up yourself, LinkedIn, for sponsoring this week's episode. Um, today, uh, today, small business owners are busier than ever and spending time searching for the right candidates can feel like it's getting in the way of growing your business and living your best life. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. I know that I'm always telling you a lot about like having to find teachers, having to find this, having to find that. And you're always being thrown curveballs when you're a business owner as well. Like you'll be like, oh, whoo, found a rhythm. Everything's going the way that it should. And then some teacher will message you and be like, actually. And then you've got to kind of like, you know, try to sort things out. So it's always busy, always you know, you've always got something to do. And that's why it's great that you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network uh, and beyond to the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. You can focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of the most um, qualified people only. Then use the simple tools in LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs help you find the uh, candidates you want to talk to faster and you can post your job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash straws. Again, that's linkedin.com slash straws to post a job for free. And obviously terms and conditions apply, but go up um, go over there and go find out what those are. Anyway, let's get to <laughs> what the girls have been waiting for. Start your motors. Woo, woo, woo. Um, I have a very big God. Oh, eh, eh. He's always by my side. God is non-gender specific for me, but the song has he. Anyway, I'll continue. I have a very big God. Oh, by my side, by my side. 
Hey! By my side, by my side, by my side, by my... You know, like Nigerian parents, they can't let the song go. Fam, we've heard you. You sang the hook, you sang the verse. Let the thing go. And they're still continuing, but they're just coming with a different level, a different pitch to the to the song. And you're just like, please, stop. It's all right. It's all right. Um, but honestly, huh, things we love to see. A second, another win from Hamilton um, in as many win, um, in, as an, uh, in as many weeks. Two wins in as many weeks, and um, I'm elated. I am elated. He won the Brazilian Grand Prix, and he's just won the Qatar Grand Prix as well. And now they're going to have a week break, um, and then we're coming back. Um, then we're going to Saudi Arabia. Then it's the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, um, and then a week after that, I think, is then the um, last race of the season which will be the abu dhabi grand prix and it's all looking very 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 mad it's all looking very mad um yeah so we're starting at the end to go to the beginning um obviously um hamilton got fastest in qualifying so he got pole position which meant that he was starting at the front of the grid and i think that verstappen if i'm not mistaken did he have where did where was verstappen initially you know i've always got to bring up my notes so i'm making sure that i'm talking up the things um yeah uh where is it uh let's see um yeah it was just very interesting so qualifying was really really good for mercedes they were really really strong they were having a great time um where is it here we go so yeah so Hamilton got the fastest time, Verstappen got the second fastest, and Bottas got um, third fastest. Um, so initially, the Grand um, the Grand Prix starting grid based on qualifying was meant to look like Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, Gasly, Alonso, Norris, Sainz, Sunoda, Ocon, and Bettel um, as the top ten in the grid, and then everybody else followed after that. Um, obviously. Um, Haas were 19th and 20th on the grid. Like I said, Haas might as well just walk at this point. Um, so that was how the grid was set up. However, during qualifying, there were certain things because let me just um, get you up to date. Basically, this is the first time that Formula One have raced, from what I understand, that Formula One have raced on this particular track um, in Qatar. The, um, the track is usually used for MotoGP and you know that they've got like cars that look more like cars and they're not as fast as um, they're not as fast as Formula One. Right. So this track has been used for that previously, as well as like other types of races, but not Formula One races. Right. It's used for races that are slower than Formula One. So, um, yeah, they've, they've they've added it to the roster. It's not going to be on in twenty twenty two because that's going to be the World Cup and that's happening in Qatar. So we're not going to have um yeah we're not going to have the what is it we're not going to have the Grand Prix there that year, but we're going to have it from twenty twenty three. And I think they signed a ten year deal with Formula One, so it's going to be from twenty twenty three to twenty thirty three that um that Qatar as a um, the La Salle circuit will be part of the um, calendar. So I was already worried from the fact that like this track doesn't get used like that for Formula One and they try to get it up to spec because there are going to be certain specs that they have to meet for them to be able to license a race there. They try to get it up to spec, but I was still kind of like, hmm, I don't know how this is going to go. 
So, and also when it's a track that people, um, that the drivers haven't really driven on before, there are going to be a few crashes. There are going to be a a few bumps and scrapes or whatever. So that's to be expected. Anyway, during qualifying, I think someone's car must've stopped on the grid, not on the grid, on the track. And so because of that, a double yellow flag was waved to kind of alert, um, Verstappen to the fact that, you know, he should be cautious as he's doing these, um, as he's going around the track. He ignored the um, he ignored the double yellow flags and he carried on driving, I think, at the speed that he was driving at. Um, and so for that reason, the stewards had to call him into their office. He was summoned. He was summoned into their office as well as Bottas and um, Sainz. Um, they were also summoned as well. And the outcome of, was, um, outcome of that was that they received grid penalties. So they got, um, well, what's his face? Verstappen got a five-place grid penalty and you know what life comes at you fast when you do clownery the clown comes back to bite he basically got the um he basically got the um the grid penalty that he should have gotten before so he got that and i think that was it bottas did bottas get was it four place because um yeah because um, bottas was um ended up six so Bottas was ahead of him Bottas was in sixth place Verstappen was in seventh place to start on the grid um and then Sainz was in fifth place um to start on the grid um as well so I don't know how um Sainz jumped his one uh let's see here where was he meant to be okay Sainz mm, let me see I'm just checking where Sainz was meant to be initially so Sainz was meant to be um in seventh place interesting so anyway yeah so they got their grid penalties or whatever the hell. Um, oh, so that's what would have happened. So they went boom, boom, down. So that pushed signs up. Um, so signs one wasn't as um, wasn't as bad. Anyway, so um, Bottas and Bottas and what's his face um, Verstappen got their got grid penalties, and they had to start from sixth and seventh, um, respectively. And um, it was actually a madness because as soon as they got started, Verstappen was made, able to make the space and was make, um, able to kind of like get himself to second, um, to get himself behind, um, what is it, Hamilton very quickly. Not close behind him, but just get himself up to second place, basically. Um, at one point, I think um, Alpha Tauri, as in Gasly, was, because uh, Gasly was in second place, right? So um, he was told to clearly he was told over the radio to get out of the way because he's part of the Red Bull training program and he used to drive for Red Bull. And if you're still if you're driving for Alpha Tower, you're still basically um, driving for baby Red Bull. You know, you're still part of their um, driver's development program. So they're going to tell you to get out of the way to make way for Verstappen so he can come through and do what needs to be done. But he wasn't even subtle about it. He just went wide. He just went wide. And I guess that's better than slowing down in case you got in trouble for that. So he just went wide to allow Verstappen to pass through. Um, Alonso had a great, um, yeah, Alonso had a really great race because he, but due to the um, grid penalties, he was in third position on the grid and he maintained third he made podium and um, Alonso hasn't made podium since 2014 I need to see his astrological um his astrological chart because what the fuck was Saturn doing to you my g since 2014 you get you got held in the same fucking position that is wild um so this is his first podium since 2014 imagine that somebody that was um, a world champion before was life 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 really be lifing 
Um, so yeah, Verstappen managed to kind of get himself up to second and he maintained it. It was, um, Tsunoda didn't crash. I've got to tell you that I'm so proud of Tsunoda. He did not crash. However, now let's talk about Bottas's race. There isn't really much to say about Hamilton because he listened on the radio as soon as, um, Verstappen went in to go in, um, for his first pit stop. Um, um, what's it? Mercedes told um, Hamilton to come in as well, and he went in for his pit stop as well. Someone tweeted, "When I pit, you pit." Hey, just like that. When I pit, you pit. Yeah, just like that. Hey, hey, DJ, bring that back. Hey. So yeah, uh, well, yeah. Anyway, that was a song break. But um, yeah. So they, in terms of strategy for Hamilton, um, they did really well, Mercedes. However, the strategy for Bottas, I don't fucking understand. This is it's. <laughs> god it's all a madness Bottas was in sixth place how did the guy then end up in 11th place he's going backwards while Verstappen is going forwards but Verstappen was behind him and he has a fast car he has pretty much the same car that Hamilton has what the fuck is going on what is happening and then I think somebody insinuated I don't know if it was um um, Crofty, or whether it's Martin Brundle, one of the commentators basically insinuated that, oh, well, that's because, like, Hamilton gets all of the newer bits for his car. No, sometimes it's just because Bottas doesn't know how to drive properly. I don't know if we need to put a, a sack of coffee beans at the finishing line or whatever. Anything to motivate this guy to get to the fucking end, like, and get there with a good position, I, I don't know what we do at this point. If he's struggling this much in a Mercedes, I really don't know what he's going to do at Alfa Romeo next season. Not to say that Alfa Romeo is a shit car, not at all. And I know that they've got real um, development plans for next season, but it's the fact that like you're struggling now in one of the most powerful cars on the grid. What is going on, son? What is going on? Like... So he's going back now. He ends up in 11th place. As far as I'm concerned, somebody in your village in Finland must have tied your destiny to a tree because I don't understand why you're struggling like this. Like, you get the perfect setup. You do really well in qualifying. Is it because there are other cars around you? I don't even understand what is happening at this point. Um, and this is the thing about qualifying. Although it helps you greatly in terms of where you're placed on the grid, it is one lap. It is one lap. Like, you, you can do it. You have, like, Q1, Q2, Q3, whatever. But basically what I'm saying is, like, it's one lap that you're really doing. Talking less of, like, 57 laps. Do you get what I mean? That's when you really see who can really drive the drive the drive. So Bottas ends up in 11th now. And everyone's trying to tolerate it. It gets to the point where um, Total Wolf has to jump on the jump on the mic, jump on the team radio and be like, Bottas, go and catch those people. Go and catch the other drivers. But at your big, big age, you're driving for fucking Mercedes at your big, big age. Somebody has to come on the mic to tell you to go and catch the drivers. What, what, what? You have one job. You literally have one job. But he had to come on the mic and remind you. So then he comes on the mic, reminds him now, like, nah, you need to drive and you need to fucking drive now. So he starts going for it almost as if a switch has been activated in him. He then actually starts going for it and starts making up places. He starts moving, 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 um, doing really well until like his tires, he gets a puncture. And he wasn't the only one to get a puncture um, during that race as well. Latifi had to retire because he didn't. His puncture took him out. Um, Russell, George Russell, managed to catch his in time, and Norris managed to catch his in time, so they were able to change, um, you know, their tires. But, but it was actually mad how Bottas managed to nurse that car all the way back to the pit without um, having a safety car having to be um, implemented. 
um, like a physical safety car because obviously he had to, he went onto the gravel, the gravel would then made its way onto the track or, you know, he could have, his car could have completely given up and then he's on the, in the middle of the track and it could have just been very, very mad and it could have really greatly impacted Hamilton's race especially because of um the traffic that started um started forming where he um Hamilton lapped the other drivers and would have had to make his way through those drivers to keep going but he had a good pace and he had a good distance from um distance from Verstappen and Verstappen couldn't catch up to him so he was fine but in that traffic he was being slowed down a bit but he did you know um spread it out um eventually um but because of all of that um, then they had to have a virtual safety car come out because of all the other people that were getting punctures and stuff. And they what they were saying was that with the punctures, you don't even feel a vibration because of the nature of the track. You don't even feel a vibration. The car just the the tire just goes. Um, so yeah, it was all very mad. But for Verstappen and Hamilton, it was a two stop race in terms of changing their tires, and it worked for them. I think that what did he start on? He in, Hamilton initially started on hard. Um, was it no he started on mediums i think he started on mediums then he went to um hard compound tires and then from the hard compound tires um he went back to mediums and he used them a little bit i think for um qualifying i think so he went back to those mediums and overall it was a really really gr a great race for him i thought it was funny when they were interviewing him post race and he said yeah i was just doing my thing out there you know it was quite lonely at the front i said yes <laughs> yes that's the energy baby it's lonely at the front um but yeah, Bottas, I don't know whether he wanted a one-stop race or whether the team wanted a one-stop race strategy for him. But either way, it did not work because look at his tyres bursting. Like, we saw that it was like at lap 33, between lap 30 and 33. I think somebody else, it was like 20, lap 27. But the, that track is very, very unforgiving to these tyres. And I don't know whether that's something that Pirelli as the tyre manufacturers, what they need to look into or the fact that they need to do some serious work on this track before these men come back in 2023. But something needs to give way because that was actually mad. It, it was a very unforgiving track. However, I say that, but Alonso used the one-stop um, strategy and still finished third. And he doesn't have, although he, they have a Mercedes engine, he does not have the speed in his car that Bottas has in his car. But obviously because of that puncture, it fucked everything up for him. And I think it fucked up his front wing as well. Um, so eventually he had to retire from the race. And so he got a did not finish, which is not great for the team as a whole because remember they're not just getting points as drivers individually they're also getting points for the team so now it's very very tight between um red bull and mercedes in terms of the constructors championship and um you know because hamilton won this race as well he's really closing in or closing that gap between himself and um between himself and verstappen which is great so currently Verstappen um the driver standings are um because also Verstappen got the fastest lap because he got while they were while they um deployed the virtual safety car he got to pit changed his tires again and then managed to get fastest lap which meant that he got an extra point so keeping you know they keep using damage limitation damage limitation they're just trying to stop um him and Hamilton from like closing in in terms of points together so he took that point for fastest lap um from Hamilton and it would have been too risky for Hamilton to then go in change his tires to get the fastest lap back it wasn't worth it because if you fuck it up you could very much end up finishing finishing something like i don't know fourth or, or third you don't want that for your life um although he did have a really good distance between himself and alonso so 
regardless he would have come out before Alonso I think but he would have ended up second to Verstappen and that would have just been a madness you don't want that um so yeah so Verstappen has 351.5 points and Hamilton has 343.5 points and I keep saying I would not be surprised if this season finishes and Hamilton wins by half a point like whoo that would be too juicy. The trolls would be fucking losing it. They'd be raging. And I would love it. I would love every moment of it. So, um, yeah, Bottas has 203 points. Perez, who drives for Red Bull, he has 190 points. And the thing is, I'll be pissed if Bottas doesn't even manage to keep third in a driver's um, a championship. So he needs to fix up because people are closing in on him. Like Perez could very easily take third place from him over the next two races and we sure as hell don't want that but it seems like you know for a moment there you know with austin texas with mexico i really thought that mercedes were going to be out of the running but somehow somehow they managed to put it you know pull it through and um this why it's great that um hamilton's number is number um, number 44 if you check it as an angel number you know the angels are always looking after him you know upon all of the higgy hagger that happens when people try to put obstacles in his way he's still doing what he needs to do um in terms of the team standing um, standings for the constructors championship mercedes have 546 and a half points red bull have 541 and a half points ferrari has 297 point and, and a half so they're not even close but um yeah, I mean, McLaren, yeah, no, Ferrari looks like, Ferrari looks like they firmly got um, the third place in terms of Constructors' Championship, but we still have um, a couple of races to go, and McLaren aren't doing too bad, so it seems as Constructors, the fight is between McLaren and Ferrari for the third place Constructors' Championship, in the Constructors' Championship, and a place um, second at uh, second and first is between Mercedes and Red Bull, um, and in case you didn't know, Haas has zero points. I would be surprised if they're going to try and carry on past this season. Gunther and them man need to pack it in. Like, this is not for you. Alfa Romeo have 11 points. <coughs> Williams has 23 points. Aston Martin has 77. Alfa Tauri has 112. And Alpine have um, 137. So, you know, the teams are doing well. They're doing what they need to do. It's giving what it needs to give, except for Haas. Haas is giving nothing nothing go on girl give us nothing um david beckham was there um at the race i'm glad that he was um in the mclaren garage and not the red bull garage even though he too is married to a spice girl i would have wanted him nowhere near that spiceless wonder known as christian horner although they did hug when they saw each other but yeah you know you can keep it cute just don't talk to him because i don't like him um but apart from that kind of all the things that happened on the track, I think I've covered all of the things that happened on the track. Um, Helmut Marco and Joss Verstappen um, need to suck out. They definitely need to suck out. Um, Helmut Marco is an Austrian former professional racing driver and a current advisor to the Red Bull uh, Formula One teams. And he's the head of Red Bull's driver development program. And I just think this is interesting. And this is the way that like white men fail upward because he has zero career points. As in the whole time that he was a professional racing driver, he got zero point. Nil point. Nil point. Zero. Zilch. Meanwhile, you are the head of the driver's development program. But what can you develop, baby? Because you never you never got any points. So what do you know? How are you hating from outside of the club? You can't even get in. So it's very weird that um that is the way that it is, but he calls the shots. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that told Gasly to get the fuck 
get the fuck out of the way and let um Verstappen pass through because everybody is part of the same thing. So um Red Bull and Alpha Tauri, there's you know, they're in the same pool of fuckery. Um so they would they would be able to tell him to move out of the way basically. Um but you know he was moving very mad um with his comments um with his comments about um the race uh, i at the time of i was about to start recording this and i saw an update that um christian horner has been called to the steward's office because he said something disrespectful about the marshal that waved the double yellow flags at um verstappen and you, uh, you want me to believe that Verstappen did not see the double yellow flags, but he saw a 0.2 millimeter impediment in um, Hamilton's rear wing that would affect his DRS functionality. This is what happens when you don't mind a fucking business that pays you. Instead of going and feeling up um, and fingering um, Hamilton's rear wing, you should have faced your fucking front because then, look, you, you've got Hamilton on the brain. Hamilton on the brain. That was meant to be a Rihanna song, Love on the Brain, but I couldn't find the right note. Anyway, let's move on swiftly from that failure. Um, yeah, if you just faced your front, if you just minded your business and you didn't have like um, Hamilton on the brain constantly, maybe you would have seen them double yellow flags, but you you definitely, those double wave flags, but you definitely saw um, that you wanted to go and check out um, Hamilton's car during the last race in Brazil, but you were very, very interested in what was going on there after qualifying. And look, look at what happened in your own qualifying. You played yourself, ho. You played yourself. Look, look at that. So um, anyway, in trying to defend him, Christian Horner was talking all this mess about, oh, well, the marshals went rogue or that marshal went rogue. He was just being mad disrespectful. I'm sure he said other fuck shit that you lot will update me on. But the stewards were basically like, nah, that's not running my G and um they've called him into the um, steward's office so they're probably going to give him a fine or something for that i hope they give him something because you can't just keep talking about people disrespectfully he strikes me as somebody that doesn't even try to hide his racism he's just very very blatant in being vile but it wasn't just him though my problem um is Joss Verstappen. Joss Verstappen is um Max Verstappen's dad. He was also a racing driver and that's why you can see that this championship very much matters to him because um you know max is meant to be like you know his um the manifestation of the dreams that maybe he couldn't achieve for himself and you know white supremacy and all of that um you know he's he's he just doesn't come he's not a nice guy like he's made some comments in the past i'm like nah you are actually wild you're a wild guy you're a wild guy and i understand why max is the way that he is because you two are a wild guy um and you can tell he's one of them ones that's like i can't believe a fucking nignog is the one that's um dominating this sport no we need to change this and he's the one that very much i've said it on a podcast before he very much fills Max's head with that rhetoric of like, no, Schumacher is still the greatest because it was different technology back then. Ra, 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 ra. Like they will not let Hamilton have his things. But your dad is saying that Schumacher is greatest. Yeah, but it wasn't Verstappen was the greatest, was it? It was Schumacher. So even though you're there tickling the balls of another white man that was the greatest at one point, it's still not you, my G. You did not do what Hamilton's doing. So don't worry about what Schumacher was doing. You are still not living up to it. So shut up. <clears throat> Anyway, I need to have some water at some point. Anyway, um, Joss Verstappen, he started insinuating that um, Angela, Angela Cullen is, I've mentioned her before, you know, if you ever see Hamilton when he finishes a race, he runs to go and hug a blonde woman. Um, that's Angela. So she started that as his physio. 
And now she's pretty much, he's everything. Like she's, he's a um, personal assistant. Um, he's this, he's that. Um, as well as still being his physio, you know, they're pretty much batty and bench at this point. Um, and I love it for them. It's great for him to have somebody that he trusts wholeheartedly and who supports, um, who supports him um, in an unwavering fashion, especially with what she would have had to sacrifice to kind of be on the road with him because she's got children but you know she's pretty much on the road with him for a great portion of the year that's a lot of sacrifice um but you know they ride together it is what it is um so she's always there so she's sometimes holding his steering wheel or sometimes just caressing the bonnet of his car the the front wing of the car she's just there um and, you know, or holding his umbrella. She's very much um, about all of them things, but she looks after him. She keeps him in optimal health and she keeps him in the mind frame that he needs to be in. Anyway, Joss Verstappen, this little pussy clot, insinuated that the reason that um, that Hamilton won this race is because before he was getting into his car, Angela put something in Lewis's hand that helped him go faster. And th I need you to understand that this is Max Verstappen's dad that's made a statement. Motherfucker. What could Angela have possibly put in Hamilton's hand to make him go faster when he was driving? Magic beans, bitch. What could she have, Viagra? What could she have put in his hand to help him go faster? What What do you know technologically that could have been put in his hand? At this point, we're not even talking about the engine anymore, right? We're not talking about the engine. We're not talking about the tires. We're not talking about the the um, the the programming of his steering wheel. We're not talking about any of that. Allegedly, she's put something in his hand that's helped him go faster. What are you talking about? Instead of you to help your child recognize when double yellow flags are being waved, you're concerning yourself with things that do not concern you. You raggedy bitch. You raggedy hoe. It's those kind of things that just remind you of how fucking racist this whole industry is when it comes to like motorsports and it comes to F1 specifically. You could just see like they'll now start running with these rumours and then um, Hamilton is then meant to expend energy refuting these rumours and he's being scrutinised in, in such a way. It's very similar to how Serena Williams had to do the most drug tests, um, you know, out of everybody, out of everybody in the entire sport, she had to do the most drug tests throughout her career because you just can't believe that some people are just fucking great at what they do. Tell me, Joss, what could Angela have possibly put in that guy's hand to help him go faster? Madness. Like, everybody is fucking mad. And they're just there making wild comments and they're allowed to get away with it because at the end of the day the stakeholders in this whole business are all rich white men like them and it makes me very very sick but you know we motherfucking move the fact of the matter is Hamilton won and your son couldn't catch up and you can make up any story that you want to make up in the entire world but your son couldn't catch up and somebody tweeted Red Bull gives you whinge and I thought, you know what, that's perfect because you lot are constantly whinging, constantly complaining about something or other. And I know that last week I said, yeah, well, you know, if you have if your daughter is married, um, you know, if you're dating one of the um, daughters of the stewards, you're going to get certain perks. You're not I guess you're not putting it down. You don't you ain't putting it down. If you put it down, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, make it we can fall in love. Anyway, you clearly aren't putting it down because it's not consistent for you. It's not working. It's not working for you, baby. 
and you you were going to get the fine one way or another because the universe has a very beautiful way of balancing things out all i'm praying for in one way or another is for somehow for him to have for Stappen to have a did not finish the same way that bottas and bottas had a did not finish today and he had to retire his car I really hope for something similar for Verstappen because then that is it. Championship is well and truly decided, uh, done, you know? But, um, you know, it is what it is. However the universe wants it, we go with it because we know that regardless, Hamilton is still the greatest of all time. You can argue with your mum's bum hole. He's still the greatest of all time. It is what it is. So anyway, that's that for start your motors. Um... All I wanted to say in terms of straw of the week, a.k.a. suck your mum, is, um, well, um, Carl Rittenhouse is free. Carl Rittenhouse went to a Black Lives Matter protest and um, shot people and he killed two people, injured a third one. The two people that he happened to sh um, shoot and kill were two white people. And I tweeted that um, Carl Rittenhouse walking free after killing, you know, two people um is just the way that a white supremacist society goes about um rewarding um people who uphold white supremacy and thus anti-blackness and of course the trolls jumped into my mentions and they were like well he killed a uh, white people so your story doesn't actually work here and da -da 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 -da. shut up you stupid raggedy bitch shut the fuck up you smelly hoe you prick you can't shut up shut up you know why my story is why my story bangs and why my line of thinking bangs? Because you seem to think that anti-blackness, in order to uphold anti-blackness, you only have to harm black people. No, you uphold anti-blackness by harming anybody that in any way is going to try to undermine or overthrow anti-blackness. Those are the people that you hurt as well. And this is a main thing for a lot of white people. I think it's a it's a fear that is um, prevalent amongst um, a lot of white people who maybe might want to do anti-racist work and things like that. Is that the fear of what happens to them, like the fear of their own lives, like losing their lives in the process, because obviously you're then considered to be a traitor. And this is why Kyle, um, Kyle Rittenhouse got to walk free. From the beginning, you knew that the whole thing was fucked from the jury selection to the judge who was talking about, oh, don't refer to the... Um, um, the victims as victims you can't call them victims you have to call them looters or protesters um trying to really make any sort of humanity that they could be avoid um, um, afforded void um so it was just very very mad and even with those stupid crying that crying that he tried to do looking like a smacked ass Carl Rittenhouse you know he got away with it because oh Again, the way that we infantilize racists and be like, oh, no, they didn't know better. Even when Stephen Fry was talking about the Yorkshire cricket team and what they were doing um, um, and the madness that they were doing, the uh, man's name has even gone out of my um, head. I'm just going to look at it now. I've got it in my notes somewhere. Where is it? Um, where is it? Talking about cancel culture and all that fuck shit like anybody like anybody asked him yeah azim rafiq he was giving evidence to the mps talking about the um horrendous racism that he faced um while he was with the yorkshire cricket team and stephen fry comes out talking about oh yeah but i mean which who of us hasn't been racist or casually racist in our younger years and we didn't know any better but we're not talking about younger years we're talking about big gray back men we're talking about big big men we're not talking about and why like Sadiq said it before, like, there's nobody that you'll find who is more compassionate 
than um, than than a white person trying to defend racism. Like, oh no, no, but what we don't understand is this and that and this and that. And I know that people were saying that some tweets or whatever were found um from Azim Rafiq's and so people were like, Oh well see you've said some um you know horrible or ignorant shit too and it's like Again, we're not saying that people can't be flawed. We can't. We're not saying that marginalized people cannot be flawed. But that does not undermine the the um, traumatic experiences that they've had at the hands of other people. It doesn't undermine it. Like two things again can be true at once, right? And he actually said those things where he himself was nineteen. But these people who are treating him the way that they're te- and treating him, like I said, are big, big men. So it's. Yeah, it's just absolutely fucked. It's absolutely fucked that Carl Rittenhouse gets to walk. Um, But (coughs) I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. When you are helping to uphold um, white supremacy, that's what's going to happen. Like, you know, that's sending out a message to everybody else that if you do this, if you go out and get the white people who are trying to support this cause and you kill them, you too will be rewarded. So if you kill white people who are trying to support black people, you'll be rewarded. If you kill actual black people, double points. Well done. Um, And it's just sad to see. And this is why love and light, love and light can't run. You know, love and light, love and light. When people are lighting your ass up with their guns um, and, you know, the fact that he even had access to all of this stuff, we're not meant to question that. He's just meant to go on with his life and be seen as some kind of hero in the eyes of the fascists like him. Um, and the white supremacists like him it's um and i'm sure he'll get a book deal he'll get some things like he'll literally get so many things for doing what he has done because as far as they're concerned in the white supremacist consciousness he did what needed to be done um he got rid of the traitors and kept it moving that's why it's anti-black because he went in he went to do it at a black lives matter protest to remind people that if you're white you shouldn't be here you shouldn't be doing this with them you're on the wrong side of all of this and that is why at its core it is anti-black but these days people want to be spoon-fed things and there are some people who follow me on instagram who are clearly waiting for a gotcha moment because when i was posting about this in my insta stories one stupid cunt one silly bitch decided to dm me about oh you should look up aj coffee because he got um cleared of similar charges and so your narrative doesn't work this time around and i've learned so much from you but i'm disappointed with rare rare go and be disappointed in your mum's fucking pussy you stupid little raggedy bitch everybody's a raggedy bitch this week um who the fuck are you talking to? And this is why I say, like, don't DM me things. Stop DMing me. Because all that's going to happen is you're going you're to get your ass absolutely handed to you. I'm going to drag you for filth. And that is exactly what to, took place. You are comparing Kyle Rittenhouse's case, um, a case that he didn't have to leave his yard. He saw the protests happening. He decided to arm himself up, go outside and start shooting people. That's very different to somebody who the police barged into their home for a raid and in wanting to protect her as he said he wanted to defend himself and his girlfriend he shot at the officers and i think he shot and killed maybe two of them i think that's what was said or maybe more i don't remember but that happened but you entered his home and the same um, um defense or whatever in the most skewed way was used when um uh what is that name that that stupid um cow she killed bojan bojan his name's gone out of my head but um she shot him dead in his own home because she thought he was an intruder in her home so once they've set that precedence they've got to follow it they've got to follow it right and so um in this case the defense was like fam you barged into my home and you got shut up but that was it but however he's not walking scot-free 
Of course not. Because they're saying that it's a felony for him to have had the gun. So they're trying to get him for the maximum term that he could get for the felony of having a gun, which is 30 years. So although they're not getting him this way in terms of, oh, you know, it appears that he's not going to be charged or convicted, sorry, for um, killing those officers um, and whatever else based on, def you know, defending himself because they came into his home and he wasn't expecting them. Um because they wouldn't want to undermine that part of the constitution that allows you to stand your ground, that allows you to defend your home, that allows you to defend your property, right? So they're not going to want to um, undermine that part of the constitution. But what they will do is say, but you weren't meant to have a gun. So therefore, you're still going to get got on that basis. So it's not the same on so many levels, but you lot love to, love to jump up. Like you swear that you're about the work, you swear that you're learning. But the moment that one of your racist friends posts something that you feel like it refutes what I'm saying, you're quick to jump into my DMs and be like, well, actually, no, well, actually what you need to do is go and suck your mother's dry, you fucking dickhead. That's what you need to do and stop DMing me your fuck shit go into your learning and stop pretending you're never gonna get a gotcha moment with me i promise you that you're not it's not going to happen you would have packed soil in your nostrils there'll be soil in your bum crack while you're six feet under before you're ever going to even see that to be a reality for me okay thanks so much anyway that's that for this week's episode of um say your mind um sym I should have said, <laughs> officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, that's right, suck your mum. Thank you for you lots of voice messages. It's been a busy, busy week, so I haven't managed to um, include them in the podcast or read your letters out, but please do keep sending your letters to sym at com. Follow me on at collectionacarful at Say Your Mind pod. Um, and also, you know, I am looking to do a live show either the end of January or the beginning of February. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. It's time that we met up again. It's time that we laugh together. It's time that we caught a vibe, that we shared a mood. Um, maybe because it's happening in down, you know, in um, um, when the season's finished. Who knows who will show up? I'm just uh, wishing out outwardly here. Um but yeah, that's that. That's that for this week's episode. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for riding with me. And I guess I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long drawers. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.